maybe it just takes a little rain to make everything all right. These guys, they never quit. I mean, they don't get caught up in the moment. Um, they keep a slow heartbeat and stay in the moment. Welcome to the Braves Report, the new podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that takes you inside the clubhouse and gives you the stories behind the score. From the Hank Aaron Terrace at Truist Park, I'm Jay Black with AJC Braves beat reporter Justin Toscano after the Braves take game two of the NLDS 3 nothing, And uh, I guess it is true what everybody says. The Braves are better before we finally get to a night game. Oh, yeah. The crowd filled in. This one was delayed two hours, 55 minutes to be exact. And the Braves got the night slot, and it was a raucous atmosphere. Uh, and they gave the home fans something to cheer about tonight. All right, here's the agenda for this episode. We'll look at how Kyle Wright found one of his best performances ever when the Braves had to have it. Did the Braves find something in that wild sixth inning? How's Ronald Acuna doing? Plus, we'll also look at uh, why we still don't know who will start game three. And, of course, all the answers in our Ask Justin segment. If this is your first time listening to the show, please follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. And a reminder that we will have new shows out after every Braves postseason game. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor. But I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show streaming now on AJC.com. The Braves Report is brought to you by Kroger, and Kroger has scary good savings for Halloween season. Save up to 20% on your Halloween decor, lights, and, of course, all your Halloween candy. Visit your local Kroger store or go to Kroger.com slash Halloween. All right, Dansby Swanson sums up the win pretty well. I think uh, it's the beauty of playoff baseball. I mean, everything kind of goes out the window uh, at this time of the year, and you just got to find ways to, um, you know, to make things happen. And, you know, it was them uh, yesterday with, with the two outs, and it was today. You know, Ronnie with the hit-by-pitch, my walk, and then, you know, Ole putting together a great at-bat, and, uh, same thing with Riles and then Travis. You know, an inning is never over. Um, and tonight was an example of that. Obviously, our pitching was, was spectacular. Um, you can't say enough about that. And I, f- I felt like we made all the plays that we needed to make on defense. It was uh, it was just an all-around great baseball performance. Braves hardly checked any of those boxes in game one. Game one was just kind of a miserable affair. But uh, this was a lot more like October baseball. Clean, crisp, terrific outcome for the Braves. Yeah, and you had it on all ends. Whereas Max Freed stumbled in game one, Kyle Wright stepped up in game two. Whereas the two-out offense was not good in game one, the Braves did just enough against Zach Wheeler um, because their pitching staff had one heck of a night. And they played great defense. They made those two great plays. Austin Riley made one of them near the tarp. Dansby Swanson made the other one shallow left center. Um, well, actually, pretty deep in the left center. It was center pretty deep. Sure. I, was sit- I was sitting right there, and I kept waiting for – uh, Eddie Rosario to, to pop out from under the overhang uh, here in the Hank Aaron Terrace, and he really, really never did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you make those two great plays while the ball gets past Reese Hoskins that he should have had uh, to get that really get that inning going a little more. This was a really complete win, um, and it's proof that the Braves really just tossed that first game out, uh, and that was not going to be indicative. But did we really expect them to lay down? I didn't. Um, they really played great baseball, and they go to Philly with the series even when they could not afford to go down two games. To the top story of this game, the brilliant pitching performance by Kyle Wright, just backing up everything he's done all season long with six shutout innings of two hit ball. I mean, that was huge for us. I mean, we needed to 
kind of get to our back end guys and and um you know he did that was pretty impressive what he did tonight that's manager brian snicker and here's dansby swanson we keep talking about it so much it's like i'm his second dad now um no i'm just uh the maturation that i've seen over the last seven years is pretty remarkable could not have drawn it up any better yeah that was the exact thing you wanted if you were the braves you needed a guy to go deep. You wanted to get to your back end guys, and you had a pretty comfortable lead with those guys. Now, three runs against a good Phillies lineup isn't comfortable, but it's not a one-run game. You were able to use A.J. Minter, Rysel Iglesias, and Kenley Jansen in succession, um, and you got there by Kyle Wright doing what he's done all season. He looked terrific, but the thing that stuck out to me was that second inning when Bryce Harper doubled to lead off that inning. I was talking to pitching coach Rick Kranitz after the game, and he said that that's what great pitchers do. They step up in those big moments. They make the pitches when they need to. And Kyle Wright did. He gets a fly out, a ground out, and a strikeout to end that inning to strand Harper at third. Um, and he goes toe for toe with Zach Wheeler. Now, we had spent a lot of time on our Twitter spaces on this show last night talking about Zach Wheeler and what kind of a factor he would be. Now, the interesting part of this is Kyle Wright goes toe for toe with him, we know, and outduels him on a night like tonight, uh, and he was just terrific. This is just further proof, and we saw further validation that he's just been a different pitcher. Uh, and Kranitz said it goes back to the, you know, the World Series last year for him. He told me that he went out to the mound at one point, and uh, it's like, dude, you're going to get out of this, and that's what he told him. And he just really felt that Kyle Wright's performance changed that series, um, and he's just never looked back ever since. Only one walk tonight, two hits, and that World Series performance was actually not – Kyle Wright's last start. He did not make the start in that game. His last start was when he got historically rocked by the Dodgers of the 2020 NLCS. Yeah, night and day. Um, before he came in here, I joke. I said my last uh, postseason start, I think I went .2 innings and seven runs. So um, this was a good one for me. Um, just kind of a, it's a small thing, but just kind of checking off another box. You know, um, I had success in the postseason last year, but to do it as a as a start um, was you know I was. That was pretty cool to me. Um, I think it's – I've just, you know, worked on a lot of things this year, and I, I, it's, it really just goes back to the confidence. Um, I felt like I had the confidence to, to, to pitch at this stage. Um, you know, they're a really good lineup, and I, and I knew that. But I knew that if I executed, then I was going to give myself a chance, and I really believe that. I'm admittedly still a bit old school, so I was a little surprised when the lights dimmed in the seventh inning and A.J. Minter came running out of the bullpen when Kyle Wright only had 82 pitches. Yeah, well, that's the way the game goes this time of year, especially when you've got a great bullpen uh, and you can get it to those back-end guys. That's what the Braves wanted to do. And then you got to consider this. I think if you watch the – if you can't tell in the box score, but if you watch the game, the at-bats were better and better against Kyle Wright. Now, his sixth inning was great. But in the third, the fourth, the fifth, the Phillies hit some balls hard. And the Phillies on the other end tonight will be talking about those balls they hit hard right at guys or the balls that, you know, maybe if they're hitting them in Citizens Bank Park, both teams had balls. If they're playing in Philly, there probably would have been six home runs tonight. Um, There were some hard hit balls on both sides, and it wasn't like he was striking every guy out. So I think they did a great job of getting the sixth inning from him. He did a wonderful job. Um, And then getting it to those back end guys. But, yeah, I mean, if you're you're old school, man, I mean, you want to – you want to see him go deep. Like uh, Zach Wheeler, he hadn't given up those three in the sixth. I think he probably is trying to go eight there. I mean, that's just the old school mindset of things. 
with those workhorses, but the Braves have such great back-end guys, late-inning options, that they really shut teams down. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 not like it's a hard decision to turn it over to Minner, Iglesias, and Jansen and set up exactly how this team is built and they all executed. Yeah, and that's really what you wanted to see after yesterday's game. Um, any win would have been good, obviously, in this game too. But just the it's encouraging the way they want it, the complete performance uh, with the crisp pitching, the at-bats when they needed to, the timely hitting, the spark, you know, using the crowd, feeding off that stuff, great defense. All of that was there. Um, and the Braves really kind of flexed their muscles in a win like this. And what about Kenley Jansen? Ever since that blown save in Seattle on September 11th, he's been tremendous um, and a lot has had a lot more success, hasn't had to walk the tightrope as much. Uh, and going forward, one of the storylines going into the postseason was, was he going to keep this closer job? Now you're wondering, you know, okay, if he can, that just frees them up to use Iglesias in whatever leverage situation they deem the most important. They deem to need the guy with the best stuff. Uh, if Kenley Jansen's going to be like that, this bullpen gets even stronger. Twelve Last 12 outings for Jansen, one run. He's... He's back to being Kenley again. And remember uh, when we said it was either on the podcast or the Twitter spaces, these are going to start running together after a while, which is great for us. But um, remember when we said that the team that wins, that hits the most home runs is going to win this series? Well, the winner of the first two games um, hadn't hit any. Yeah, no, I know. It's That's what I said. I think it's our 12th or 13th game. We won all year without a homer, something like that. I mean, some crazy, but some really good at-bats, man. It was um, – tough sledding there for a long, long time. And, you know, we kind of, things went our way there with Matt's hit and Austin's. And then, you know, Travis had just kind of three well-placed balls. Now the Braves finally get that two-out rally in the sixth to get it done. You know, Wheeler had his good stuff tonight. So, um, you know, I think I think it was, it was pretty easy to tell early on that he was feeling good and, and was pretty crisp. So... Um, Kyle was the same. You, you knew that it could be a game that way of, of a couple runs could win it. And, uh, you know, when, when guys are going like that, you just got to find a way to, to make something happen. And was able to squeak one through and, and Riley uh, had that little, uh, you know, swing and bunt. And then Trav get one through the middle and, and, you know, ended up being enough. Our pitchers did a hell of a job tonight. To be fair, Matt Olson did hit that ball pretty hard. But Reese Hoskins did lay it. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was one of those. In the modern day game, you're looking for guys to hit ball balls on the ground, right? Like they know that you're gonna they're gonna be hard hit, but that's the way offenses approach it. If you hit it on the ground these days, it's probably getting caught. You're probably out. Uh, that one, not so much. And I think Reese Hoskins, at least in the games that I have watched this year of Braves Phillies, has been pretty solid defensively. Now he's always. Good for one of those a series, probably. That just came at a really, really bad moment. Uh, he's not a great defender uh, based on the eye test. That one was bad. But 101.3 miles per hour. I mean, that was a hard hit ball. That was smoked, and that's a tough one. Uh, when you kind of get down there to get that, it's just anybody, you know, it's anybody's game there. And it wasn't an easy play, probably one he should have made. Manager Rob Thompson said after the game as much that, you know, if you asked Reese about that, he probably he would have said he probably should have made it. Um, but, man, what are you thinking if you're Smyrna native Zach Wheeler and you're walking out of here thinking you gave up a run on a play that should have been made, you know, a play that you hit a batter, 
you walk a guy. Play should have been made. And it's all with two outs. Play should have been made. And then you give up a dribbler. Braves' best moment of the season. Yeah, exactly. And I think the Braves, we talked about so much. God, in August, after that series at City Field, we, were, we talked about the, is it better to put the ball in play? Or is it better to try to hit it as hard as you can? Whatever, that whole argument. Yep. The Braves, the Braves got some Mets magic right there uh, with that Austin Riley swing bunt. But hey, whatever you got to do, put the ball in place. Something, anything can happen. But if you're Zach Wheeler, man, Smyrna native, guy who used to go to Braves games with his dad growing up, you're probably leaving here thinking, how the heck did I give up three runs? The Braves, the Phillies had three hits. The Braves had four hits. They just came at the better time, which it didn't yesterday. How much did him hitting Acuna? getting this place all riled up for a good what felt like 10 minutes change things it could have I don't know if anybody will ever admit it but and it's hard to quantify but when you get this place riled up the one thing I think it did was we were here we saw it Acuna was behind home plate for about five minutes while they evaluated him um it was at least a few minutes maybe five before he started walking then he walks to first base and then Dansby Swanson comes up Zach Wheeler had a little bit of a layoff there. Obviously, he wasn't trying to hit him. There was no malintent there. there. He would not be trying to hit him in a game like this. Acuna had had the lone hit off him. He was rolling. Uh, he was attacking the zone. He was really just going after guys and saying, here's my 97, try to hit it. Um, and he had a few good breaking pitches that he used. That 82, God, 82, 83 mile an hour curveball was terrific tonight. He really had his good stuff. But you wait there for three, four minutes that could have thrown off his rhythm, and I think that might have happened. As for how Acuna's doing. Right there on the elbow, kind of that Tommy John area. Um, yeah, and to be honest, I was hurting pretty bad, but, you know, I was just no way I was going get to get out of that game, and uh, the most important thing was that we won. How does it feel now? We won. Everything feels good. Any reason to worry? I don't think so. I mean, after the game, Snit said that he would probably be sore, but there's no structural damage. And when Acuna went down to the tunnel after scoring a run, he was thrown in the cage. And the snicker said that he got feeling back in his elbow. Um, everything was good. Now, he did say, like I said, should be sore tomorrow, but they've got an off day. I don't think there's any reason to worry unless it's such a invasive contusion or a big contusion that he can't swing or something. But considering he took it bats tonight, that might be heat of the moment, adrenaline. Uh, Ronald Acuna wanted to play, and he did not want to come out of this game. We'll talk about that rain delay, and we'll preview game three next. This is the Braves report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, brought to you by Kroger. What's so great about being a Kroger Boost member? Free delivery on the Kroger products you love and more rewards, too like double fuel points on everything you buy. Experience a new level of membership, starting as low as $59 a year with Boost by Kroger Plus. Learn more at Kroger.com today. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. All right, don't forget, not only do we have the Braves Report podcast after every game, but before every game, Justin and I will take to Twitter Spaces live at noon for our pregame show We'll also take your questions live. We've done a couple of these. We've really enjoyed being able to to, to get the news right to the fans live and uh, be able to answer any questions they have. Yeah, that's been a lot of fun uh, through our first two. I mean, I think 
What we often find on this podcast is we have so much that we just can't use, uh, or else we'd keep you here for an hour, 40 minutes instead of 40. So that Twitter space is really, I mean, we've gotten to talk some balls. So yep. for those of you who haven't tuned in, we're not just talking lineups. We're not just talking this and that. Today we talked about Guillermo Heredia and Jose Alvarado chirping. So there's there's a little bit of everything for everyone there, and you get to have your questions answered um, by yours truly. And we, we go through it all. It's been a lot of fun. What would you do during the rain delay? Uh, well, Kyle Wright after the game said that he watched TV, enjoyed time with his teammates, played on his phone a little bit. That's about what we did up in the press box. <laughs> I mean, we were, you know, joking around. I had some I, – I was with you an hour before the game. I had some braised short ribs here. Uh, yeah. At the ballpark, some garlic mashed potatoes, some green beans. Uh, I was eating. I was snacking. I was getting a Coke here and there. Um, it was it was long, though. It was it was lengthy. This is our 12th hour here, I think. And it was uh, – you never really see a three-hour delay. But, hey, man, when you got to get the games in, and it made it a better atmosphere. I got here at 11 a.m. It is now uh, 12.31 a.m. Uh, the next day. But one thing's for sure. Braves fans hung around, and they were fired up. That is how loud it sounded after Travis Dardot's RBI single to make it 3-0. That was a crazy atmosphere tonight. Uh, I don't know if uh, it was a little extra rowdy, if some people had some extra time at the battery. or, uh, But, no, it was, that was a crazy atmosphere. Uh, loved it. You know, it's it's a big uh, hats off to the fans for sticking around for, for that long. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, this place was full when the game started. Yeah, and it filled in nicely, and uh... – Matt Olson mentioned time in the battery. So the Braves for this game offered food and beverages for 50% off during the rain delay. One one caveat there, non-alcoholic beverages. Yes. But people had that extra time, that extra four hours. It seemed like perhaps factored in. <laughs> well, it, it, uh, it certainly did. I will also point out um, that the Braves were offering a 2021 World Series apparel with the fan shops for uh, hats for $5. Um so there may be some family members getting some Christmas presents from the range delay. Come on, you're going to spoil people's Christmas presents on a show a couple months before Christmas? Uh, my family's not. They don't, they don't know what a podcast is yet. They're kind of old, so they, they don't know that it's coming. So we're good. Uh, but uh, now let's move on to uh, game three. And uh, Snit, who are you going to start? Um, a few guys. <laughs> <laughs> we got some options. Different day, same answer. Yeah, and then the question after that was, <laughs> was a little more direct. Is it going to be Charlie? Ah, I'm just still mulling it over. Um, yeah, I the way baseball teams work, they like to see how things set up. They like to see where they get. But, Jay, let's be honest. If you mapped this out three weeks ago, the Braves, they thought of every situation. They knew who they were starting game three of. it. They have known for a minute. Um, but there's no use in giving the opponent uh, – an advanced scout. But the, the Phillies at this point, what? They've got to prepare for Charlie Morton and Spencer Strider, right? Just in any order. Uh, I think if Spencer Strider's healthy, you go with him at least one of those games. Now, do the Braves want to go with the veteran, Charlie Morton, um, or Spencer Strider? I think Spencer Strider's the better pitcher this season right now if he's healthy. But you don't know what you're going to get from him, and I think that might make Charlie Morton the best bet for Game 3. And it seemed like the likeliest bet all along. It, well, at least now you know that there is a game four. So you don't have to make that choice of whoever wasn't going to be possibly would not pitch um, in this series. If Charlie Moore, if it's Charlie Morton, he has faced the Phillies more than any other team this season, 0-1 with a 547. Yeah, uh, he wasn't good in his last start that came in Philadelphia against those guys. Um, he's been hit around pretty good a couple times. Um, 
Now, I know a couple of those starts came in Philadelphia. One of them, I think, was six earned runs. Another one was five earned runs. Both day games. Uh, that explains a lot for the Braves in general. But the Braves won the second one. I asked Snit today, uh, earlier, before the game, if there were any working theories, because Charlie Morton has been almost two runs worse on the road than he's been at home. Uh, and Snit actually contemplated it for a second. And then he said he doesn't really go into that stuff or think about it. Um, but that's something interesting to keep an eye on because the Braves have Jake Odorizzi, but he's supposed to be length. Charlie Morton and Spencer Strider are their starters. Um, they're going to go in, in either order, you would assume, unless anything happens or unless there's an injury and they bring somebody else on the roster, whatever it might be. But you got to think about that, and he hasn't had much success against Philly this year. Now, we do know who it's going to be for the Phillies, and it's Aaron Nola. Three and two against the Braves with a 360 ERA in five games this year. They've got a couple, but it's not like uh, either side's dominated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think that's a that's a toss-up. I mean, they've hit him well a couple of these times out here, but, man, I mean, did you see what he did in St. Louis? I think, yeah. you know, I think that was, that was incredible. But the Braves sent the message tonight that they have all season. They hit good pitching. They can hit anybody. They can score off anybody. It, it doesn't matter. They do what they do um, and what they need to do to win. And so it's not a complete, you know, Aaron Nola, they're not going to go out there and face Cy Young or Sandy Koufax. It's just, you know, he's a great pitcher, but this is a great offense. And it's to me, that's kind of a toss-up. One thing we do know, it's going to be rowdy. Oh, yeah. Now, I, I've been in Philly when it's crazy. When I was a third-base coach, every game we played there was nuts. Um, and it, it's going to – and these guys are used to it. I mean, you know, it's going to be, the, I guess, the so-called hostile environment, obviously. Um, <clears throat> but they're used to, you know, the last two nights, the last – all this whole year has been nuts here. It's been like playoff baseball pretty much the entire year here. And, and um, I don't think it's anything that they haven't been exposed to and, and probably they'll feed off it like they feed off our fans here in Atlanta. You predicted in our preview podcast, Braves and Five – kind of feels like Braves in five yeah yeah I think the Braves are the better team if the Phillies get if the Phillies get hot at home which they can in front of a very very raucous rowdy atmosphere it's going to be tough for the Braves but we saw that game one there were people here there was energy still didn't make it you know a Braves win that doesn't mean the home team's going to win I think the Braves are the better team top to bottom and I think that's pretty clear but the Phillies hit a lot of balls hard tonight, uh, and there were a lot of things, you know, a few things that could have gone their way, uh, and I think that atmosphere might play obviously to their advantage. Uh, but it does feel like it just feels like a five-game series right now. One other bit of news from today: Tyler Matzik had Tommy John surgery before this game. I hate it for him. I mean, he struggled with things all year. I don't know. Maybe this is, you know, the reason. And I think. You know, him going ahead and getting it done and, and starting the process, I think he feels really good about that, that, you know, it's now he can look forward to, not look forward to it, but go through his rehab and then, you know, on the back end of that, he's still a young man and have a really good career as we've seen what he can do. It is rather amazing that, that the guy who you can make a significant argument was the Braves postseason MVP last year is not here to defend and the bullpen has not missed a beat. Yeah. God, I just think back to spring training um, when the lockout, right after it was lifted, Alex Anthopoulos said on the Zoom, 
And our diehard listeners will remember this anecdote, but it's worth repeating. He said on a Zoom that a couple years ago in 2019, when the Braves tried to patch holes in the bullpen through the trade deadline, he just learned a lesson. That does not work. It is hard. It is unreliable. You pay too much. He couldn't do that. So he's trying to stack the bullpen through free agency, through different things like that, you know, else how. Uh, And they've done that this time. And that's why he's piled up on relievers. That's why you go out and get a Rice-Helly Glasses. That's why you have a good bullpen from last year, but you still go out and get a Colin McHugh for that reason. Um, And Tyler Matzik, I mean, you feel for him. But Brian Sticker in that quote, and then Austin Riley too, if you caught this, I caught this. They both hinted that there was something wrong this year, and he was battling something. And to get an answer is a good thing because when you looked at it, the results weren't great. He wasn't that reliable pitcher he was in last postseason the last year. And his velocity was his fastball average, I think, 96 miles per hour last season, 94 this season. So there was something there. And even back in Milwaukee months ago in May, he had that left shoulder inflammation and he said it was a pain that he, he really had never felt, and he thought it was from when his back flared up in spring training and he just doing too much and the whole kinetic chain, things like that, you know, stressing other parts of his body and that hurting his arm. And it just really seemed like he was battling something all season. And now you've got the answer, but he will, of course, Jay. I mean, we know that, you know, everybody recovers differently, but Tommy John is usually 12 to 18 months. So if you do the math there, that that puts him out for all of next season, too. And you really feel for a guy like that. He has had a response on Twitter today. Thank you to everybody for the support. Plan to come back stronger after this. I did not get a vasectomy, just Tommy John. (laughs) That, uh, (laughs) yeah, that's, uh, that's, if you go look at Tyler Matzik's name on Twitter, that will make a little more sense. We're not going to say it on this podcast, but, you know, this kids listen to this. Um, but that's Tyler Matzik's sense of humor for you. If you listen to this podcast, you know the joke. Now, time for the Ask Justin segment, where we answer Braves fans' questions on Twitter at... Justin C. Toscano. First up, E. Goldie. How do you think the Braves' new big three of Mentor, Iggy, and Jansen compare with the big three of last year? That's one of the better questions we've had this year. Yeah, yeah, I think... Honestly, I think it's probably better. I think I think you can make that case because last year guys were unconscious in the playoffs. That's Mentor, Madsick, and Will Smith. Yes. This year guys are just dang good, right? Like Iglesias and Kenley are just proven closers. Those are two closers that have been good for pretty much their entire careers. Yes, they have had bad stretches. Yes, they have blown saves. That happens to everybody. But Minter, along with those two guys... That's a pretty dynamic <laughs> trio. I mean, especially when it's going, I think you've got reliever star power there. From Spicy Chicken Nugget, which play was better, Dansby's catch or Austin's? Ooh, man. I got to go Dan- with Austin because he got hit by a, hit by the tarp. But, I mean, Dansby, like, he didn't even turn around. He was like, I don't even know how he found the ball. I don't yeah. even know how Austin found the ball. That was That's a tough question to answer. I'm going to go with... I mean, Austin, right? Because Dansby is probably a more nimble athlete. But what Austin did, ranging kind of back diagonally toward his right and then going back toward the tarp, and he looked like he just found that ball out of nowhere. Like he was tracking it, but he just plucked it out of nowhere um, and had to avoid the tarp. And because Dansby said Austin's catch was better, I can't call Dansby's catch better. Yes. Next up, 
Devon, he's got two questions. Keep Ozuna in the DH spot or put Contreras back in the lineup? And where should Michael Harris bat? Put Contreras back in the lineup. Ozuna's been better against righties, um, and he has had a good September. But I think Contreras, man, he's just shown you he can do so much. There's a lot of pop in there. Um, and then I think Harris should bat probably fifth or sixth. Um, I like him there. I don't. I like having your big four up there with Acuna, Swanson, Olsen, and Riley, however you want to order the three and four guys. But Darno at fifth is good, and I think Harris at sixth is great. I think you have a guy like that who can kind of power as you go down the bottom of the lineup to the bottom of the lineup. I think that's a perfect spot for him. From center wing, at what point do we drop Dansby in the lineup? Outside of the Mets series, he's been rough the last couple months. Yeah, I mean, I just think I think he profiles well there. I think you, when you look at what Acuna, those jump starters, a guy like Acuna, and then the boppers, Olsen and Riley do, I think Dansby's in there for, you know, good. like tonight he works an important walk. Uh, in the ninth inning, in game one, he had an important at-bat. I think he's huge in those moments, and I, th- I think you need him there. Now, long-term, I think, going back to the last question, I think Harris will be up there. Um, but I think you got to put Dansby right there. I think that lineup works really well with him at two, despite the struggles. Dansby hit 225 in September and 313 in the five games uh, in October. So it has been a little bit of a slow end of the season here. They're cranking up the vacuum cleaners here, so we're going to almost we're gonna try to wrap it up here. One more question from Big Mike. Do you think Grissom gets an opportunity? Love seeing him and Harris wrecking havoc and back to back, uh, back to back in the lineup. Yeah, if Arcea struggles, I think he gets an opportunity, and then you know pinch hit opportunities. But I think it's our jobs Arcea's to lose right now. All right, so that'll do it. So we will uh, we will be back Friday on Twitter Spaces at noon before Game Three. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, that is if we're alive. We're going to get you a couple cheesesteaks, man. We're heading to Philadelphia tomorrow, and then so we will uh, we will report back on Twitter Spaces on Friday. And then, of course, uh, tune back into the Braves Report podcast for new episodes after every postseason game. And please rate, review, follow, share, and to subscribe to help us grow this show. And we will see you before Game 3 on Friday on the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. When you're looking for leading cardiac treatment... Look to Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with five emergency cardiac care centers, so we're here when you need us most. We lead with more than 55 locations in Georgia. That means we're always in the heart of your neighborhood. We lead with clarity, because clear direction is better when it comes to understanding every step of your treatment. Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with heart. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.